wants to go watch The Office. Dunder Mifflin, just like Monsters Workplace. Kinsey and I play Angela Martin and guess what you're listening to that's what she said that's what she said episode 104 christening wow that is really hard you really think you can go all day long well you always left me satisfied and smiling so that's what she said <laughs> suicide doors on my 57 Chevy roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go And welcome to episode 104 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the seventh episode of season seven, entitled christening which originally aired thursday november 4th 2010 office writer peter akko why you always got to be so mean to me baby cece's getting baptized so of course the entire office trudges along to witness the blessed event michael feeling boxed out and andy looking to impress aaron decide to join a christian youth bus trip to mexico dwight drums up business toby argues with god and angela steals thousands of scones and what could possibly make this episode better? If you said guest appearance from Meemaw, it's your lucky day. Why did you guys even come today? What's so great about your lives that you think you're better than everybody else? You can make fun of everybody else. You're mean. You're mean girls. Like the movie Mean Girls. And Kevin, if you don't stop worrying so much about what you're going to put in your gullet, you're going to die in about a month. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do that? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? All right, and joining me at the water cooler this week is my child. You know, not a lot of people know this, but... um. Old Yevin Krustega Crossman. I uh, sponsored him, paid t- for, to bring him to this country to be on the podcast. So, Kevin, how's it going? Well, Matt, it's great to be with you again this evening. Of course, some episodes of The Office, easier to come down and talk, to, talk about here on the podcast than others, especially this episode, Christening. But, you know, we always try to do something special for the end of show outro music, and I've come up with a real... Winner this week, and it's definitely going to be worth it for those of you who stick through the bitter end. Very appropriate for this episode. One of the worst episodes ever of The Office. Oh, my God. The hyperbole is flowing thick and rich. One of the worst episodes of The Office. Could that possibly be true? Well, if you look at uh, Thursday, Matt's Twitter feed back from November 4th, indeed, you will find that this episode struck me 
as one of, uh, at least not the worst, but in the bottom 10 probably of my least favorite episodes. And I was initially really kind of upset about this. And so I, I want to just say right flat out here that if you're one of those people at this point after 104 episodes, if you're not happy with Kevin and I sort of trashing or being extremely critical on uh, in an office episode, do everyone a favor and turn your podcast device off now. Don't listen. Um, I mean, there are a few gems. I'm going to try to find some a few highlights in the episode. But overall, I, I did have a very negative reaction to the whole thing. And I have to say that uh, I'm going to lay the blame totally on the fact that this episode was written and directed by two total new people to the office. And uh, the, I mentioned in the introduction, Peter Ocko, the, the writer, is one of the season seven hires. Now, this is a guy that's been around since at least 1989 writing for television comedies. Um, I'm going to skip down a little bit to some of the credit stuff. I mean, this guy, for the love of God, Kevin, this guy was writing scripts for Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Uh, that was one of my favorite shows back in the day. Also, some other stuff like Weird Science, the show, the animated Baby Blues show, Dead Like Me and Pushing Daisies. I know a lot of people like those last two shows, but I don't know, man. I just I felt like that there was just the tone of the show was just off this week. And I think one of the people I was talking to uh, on Twitter about the episode said it best. Um, all that we missed was a laugh track. And it was pure sitcom goofery. Yeah, it was very, very sitcom especially the, all the stuff with Jim. Uh, I'm really glad you played the Mean Girls clip, because that really was the reaction that I had, was that this felt like a very mean episode. And I really didn't understand why. I, we, I mean, we've seen Pam or Jim especially be the butt of the joke and people be mean to them. But this episode really took it to a higher level, where it was... Everyone in the office was being super mean, and I, save for that scene with Michael calling them out on it, that was probably my highlight of the episode, was that he, he, he said that. Uh, I just don't know, why did they show up? Why were they complaining about the food? It was <laughs> obvious from the way that the pastor introduced the whole reception afterwards that, it, that they were kind of not expecting it. On the other hand, why the hell can't Jim and Pam just have said something? <laughs> and or have gone for sandwiches, maybe, oh, I don't know, a little earlier, sent somebody out. They had all their relatives there. Hey, Mom, the <laughs> pastor said the wrong thing. Can you go get some sandwiches? Wow. Would it have been that hard? I mean, it's just, it, every, everywhere you turn, there's a reason for someone to have acted much differently and much more positively. Right, but and then we wouldn't have a wacky there. sitcom, Kevin. Where would, where would the yeah. laughs be coming <laughs> from if it weren't for Jim ridiculously accusing Angela of stealing his baby. I mean, well, <laughs> where else could we go with this episode? But except that there were there were parts that I really did like about this episode. I thought the stuff with Toby in the amounts that they showed was just about right and kind of interesting and different and gave you a little bit of insight into his psyche. He's a character we like to beat up here on the podcast, and I kind of liked that storyline aspect. And I also liked, although getting Michael and... Andy onto the bus was really dumb and belabored, especially the Andy storyline. It's like, can we get, can we start a fund this week and get, <laughs> you know, get the guy laid so he can stop doing these stupid things for Aaron? <laughs> uh, anyway, once they got on the bus and that whole sort of meltdown that they had actually was pretty funny. I, I did like that. I agree. I, I think that 
the Michael stuff, and maybe this isn't going to be a big surprise coming from me, but I actually thought that the Michael stuff worked really well. Um, I thought the stuff with Dwight was pretty amusing with him oh, constantly trying oh, to sell some stuff. Oh, I don't know. It worked. No. It worked for me. It fit his character. The Toby thing. I know a lot of people listed that as a highlight. I I wasn't that impressed with that whole thing. Uh, I mean, it was very quick and it was kind of a funny little line like "God, why do you hate me?" I mean, it was okay. It didn't do a whole lot for me. The really the thing that killed it for me though is the whole is the Jim and Pam plot line and. That's why I think I really disliked this so much because it was so sitcommy. It was so weak. And I mean, I remember I was in the chat room and really I just typed in there. I couldn't believe it. A poop joke, Kevin. Poop jokes on the office. Is that what we've come down to? <laughs> well, you might even say that that was a better joke than some of the other stuff with wacky Angela trying to steal the baby and Jim freaking out and all these stupid things where they'd steal the baby and not tell him. I mean, just come on. <laughs> well, it was very, very stupid. And the thing, like I said, the the thing with, uh, oh no, don't don't poop on your dress. That was just the lowest of lowbrow, kind of not really funny. Everything in there was not funny. They set that up about how, oh, do you think that Angela is jealous of our baby? And how they kind of came out of nowhere. Um, to, to have that really weak, lame payoff at the end. And I guess you could try to explain it away that he was just a new father and very frazzled because he couldn't find the baby. But really, you know, if you couldn't find the baby, you think there'd be better things to do than to uh, randomly accuse a co-worker as if, I mean, I mean, really? <laughs> She's going to steal his baby. <laughs> I don't know. There's just nowhere to go from that. It's so ridiculous. Everything just with the stupid... Oh, these people we met two months ago are going to be the godparents of our baby. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, I didn't buy that either. Oh, everything! It was just it was just bad about that plot line. Um, and and I'm, I have I have a clip of this. I'm going to play this later. But I think one of the absolute worst lines ever written in the office, where Jim says, "Oh, that was Sconesy Cider, <laughs> the noted uh, baptism critic." You know, that line fell over like a lead balloon, and then he makes some stupid quip about how, oh, don't forget to get some cider, and then does this ridiculously mugging look at the camera, and Mm -hmm. I've never wanted to punch John Krasinski in the face more than I did at that moment. Talk about a totally unearned look at the camera. (laughs) You bastard. Well, let me ask you about that Dwight plot line where he's he's trying to sell to all these people, and Michael kind of tries to shut him down maybe a little bit there at the beginning. Why? I mean, why was he being such an ass about that whole thing? I mean, that's really inappropriate. And but that worked with his of, character. I don't know. It's, I just I I tell you what I liked about it. I mean, to me, it worked with his character. It was something that I thought he would do. He would use that as an opportunity to sell himself. Um, I, I thought it was pretty funny, actually, where they're doing the, I can't remember the, the proper term, but they're doing the kind of prayers, right, and, uh, yes. and Dwight stands up, and he kind of stares down the other guy. <laughs> he gives him the evil eye, <laughs> and then the other guy sits down, and then he goes into that big speech about, you know, oh, I'm sorry about the guy, you know, Timothy and his disfigurement, and this and that, and, you know, oh, by the way, <laughs> to celebrate this. I don't know. I, I, it, it felt like it worked with the character, which I guess you can argue whether or not it was funny, but I felt like it was a Dwight thing to do. Um, the Jim and Pam stuff, not funny and felt out of character. So 
Uh, definitely. Maybe it was just by comparison that it seemed funny to me. Well, you mentioned the writer. The uh, director for this episode is Alex Hardcastle. And according to the notes you put together, he's uh, previously directed The Increasingly Poor Decisions of Todd Margaret television show, which I've never heard of. Uh, that's on IFC right now. It's with uh, David Cross. And, oh, yeah, um, that's right. And so, Will Arnett okay. is in that as well, and uh, Janine right. Garofalo. So it's kind of got some buzz, some comedy buzz. It's set in England. I think uh, you know, he's also directed probably NBC's worst sitcom from last year uh, called 100 Questions. And I don't know if you ever saw an episode of that, but uh, that went away pretty quick. I don't even recall hearing about it. So yeah, it was uh, <laughs> that was one of their fill-in shows last year. That uh, the premise was that there was a sort of British chick who was uh, filling out questionnaires or something at a dating service, and so somehow every question in the thing led to some wacky hijinks, and it was a really poor Friends clone sort of mm. thing. So uh, yeah, you didn't remember it, and that's exactly why. You didn't remember it. I think it lasted on NBC about three or four weeks at maximum. Um, so so. <laughs> I, I, I guess what we're saying is, you know what? We've given the, um, the staff of the office a little bit of a hard time for nepotism with the fact that John Krasinski and Mindy Kaling and whoever else had Helms, whoever's directing this week. So Rain Wilson was another one. Steve Carell has directed. Maybe... That isn't so bad when somebody who has actually been in the office for a while directs an episode, right? Well, I mean, I, I guess I, I didn't really have any major problems with the directing. I want to go back to talking a little bit about the writing. Um, and, and I do want to say, because I didn't really talk about the Michael plotline that much. I, I, I understand. I mean, the Michael plotline for me, it's, it's, it's treading ground that we've been at before, uh, I will say. This episode really reminded me a lot of Phyllis's Wedding in some ways, mm. where Michael tries to ingratiate himself in with the family, tries to get in there in the baptism, and you know, get in uh, to be the godfather, although Michael being godfather would make about a million times more sense than this random couple that they met <laughs> yes, a week does. ago. But, um, you know, I guess be that as it may, uh, that may be why I didn't like it as much. I was never a fan of the Phyllis's wedding thing with Michael trying to dominate an event. But no. um, he and also very sitcommy in that episode as well. Yeah, you're right, exactly. But the thing I did like about this though is I felt like that I could understand Michael's motivations at least. Uh, he felt here he was trying to become part of a family, and Jim and Pam locked him out. Uh, then he tried to go to the office people and say, "Come on, we're a family. Let's be a group together." Uh, and right. they sort of blocked him out, and they were just being really assholeish. And uh, he started getting into being friends with the church people because they're nice uh, and then got very carried away with the whole bus thing. And we can, again, we can talk about how silly or believable or ridiculous that was for him to get on the bus. But yeah, it was, I, I don't know. It, it worked for me enough, I guess. He learned, you know, very quickly he realized what a stupid mistake that he'd made. Having Andy along, I think, helped to add a little extra in there without just not not just Michael by himself on the bus, which is what we would have gotten perhaps in a previous season. Yeah. So it worked okay. Uh, the one thing that I didn't really like talking about sitcommy stuff. The uh, you know I'm not a big religious kind of guy, but the the, the church youth group seemed really ridiculously kind of right. stereotyped and. You know, uh -huh. there's that one bearded guy that he looked like he was stoned or something. I mean, 
it, it didn't, didn't look like a church-going kid. He looked like some kind of a pothead. Uh, just really weird <laughs> sort of uh, stuff. And uh, I, I did th- probably the highlight. One of, one of the highlights for me, at least, was the uh, the kid getting off the bus <laughs> with Andy and Michael. Actually, I did like that scene. That was all right. And it was a good little twist there. But then, of course, but then we had them getting picked up by Aaron in that really weird scene to end the episode too yeah it was really weird it actually it was kind of funny i liked some of the construction with that where she comes up and is like hurry up hurry up get in it's like why what's the hurry oh it's quicker i don't know that was the kind of a funny line but um how would aaron as a character be listening to lake wobegon i don't even know what that is garrison keeler you don't know what that is prairie home companion oh it's NPR. It's an NPR show. It's listened to by educated nerds, Kevin. Such as, well, I don't listen to it, but I, I at least know what it is. Uh, which I is why it seemed Keeler. really, it seemed really weird that Aaron would be listening to that, even though she did pronounce it like "wobble gone," um, which I guess was kind of funny. But uh, yeah, it, it seemed kind of strange, and, and to totally just end the episode with thirty seconds of Garrison Keeler telling a story about old farmer whoever's boots. Uh, mm-hmm. It was kind of a strange ending. I have to agree. I do want to talk about the writing a little bit here, and I obviously this is a this episode is a week late, uh, and that's pretty much all my fault. I report cards were due last week. I had a lot of grading and things to do, and um, just really couldn't make it happen during the week. So we have already seen the next episode. We've seen the viewing party episode, which is also written by a totally new writer to the office. Um, mm-hmm. I'm getting really concerned, actually, now after these two episodes with these totally new writers because I feel like – I don't know what it is. I just I sort of feel like that they're just not capturing the characters. They're not capturing what the show's about. It feels to me sort of like now we're getting writers who are trying too hard to write an Office episode based on other Office episodes they've seen. And it just, they, they, both of these have felt sort of off to me. Uh, this one much more so than Viewing Party, which I guess we'll talk about next time. But I, I, I'm yeah. a little concerned. I mean, I, if these guys, you know, if this is the future of the show, they have these, these two new, uh, new writers, and obviously if Mindy Kaling's going to be leaving, and, and some other shakeups that might occur at the end of this season, I'm, I'm really nervous. And I think the thing that makes me really kind of sad more than anything else is that we really... You know, we got off to a big start with this season. First three episodes, we were really, really excited about. And it's kind of depressing now that we're sort of slumping totally uh, off in the other direction. And now I know that uh, the really sad thing for me that I don't understand is looking at some of the different takes that people have had, like different critical responses. The, The blogger at Entertainment Weekly called it out as being very unfunny, sort of agreeing with our position uh, but other people are saying that this is a B plus episode, that this is, you know, hilarious and things. So I, I don't know. I, I really, I really start to wonder if I maybe I'm just losing touch with uh, the common office viewer. Well, I, I happen to have liked the viewing party, and we'll talk about that. But I would say that we've had a lot of episodes outside the office, and. Even last year, the stuff that was outside the office, like the wedding and the birth and all that stuff, was a little bit of a mixed bag, more so for some of us than others. And we've had a lot of stuff outside the office this year uh, with the Andy's play and these two episodes and even the uh, the business around 
on sex ed with Michael going all around town to meet all of his ex-loves. Really nice if we could have some more Office episodes about, you know, The Office. Well, that's the thing I think is the hardest part about writing the show is that at this point, I mean, seven seasons in, it's very, very difficult to write a funny Office bit. Point in fact, Kevin, and I never thought I'd ever say this, but really the only thing about this episode that really worked for me the cold open was the funniest thing about the show. Um, I don't know if it was the funniest, but it was better than the rest of it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I To me, the, the opening thing with the hygiene and then, the, again, the Dwight having people sneeze on him and uh, that kind of stuff. And, and Ke- you know, Kelly saying to Pam, oh, your mom is crawling with germs or whatever. Uh, Michael, yeah, she is. I dated her for a while. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, whatever. Uh, all that kind of business in there I just thought was very funny. It was, it was, as we just said, it was an office-related thing. It's something that people can relate to. It's something that happens every day. Uh, it fit Dwight's character. So when the cold opens, the funniest thing about the episode, you know you're in for some problems. So Yeah, no, it was, it was good. I, I, I thought that the stuff, again, with Michael and Andy and the bus was the, the funniest part. But, um, yeah, the cold open was all right. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into the plot line here. And uh, I guess I could have probably broken this down into several little micro plot lines. But uh, in the <laughs> with uh, just the desire to get this kind of done as quickly as possible, I just have one pretty much straight through plot line here uh, with Michael as the centerpiece. So as we said, here we are. It is the baptism of the Halpert child. And as ridiculous as this might be we we talked about this just briefly a little bit ago that it's getting more and more prevalent to have these weird out of office episodes you and i can argue about this i guess i felt like going to someone's play going to someone's wedding i mean i can see this having the entire office go to a baptism it, it's it's ridiculous I mean, just totally straining credulity, even in the first place. The fact that anybody would buy, you know, I don't care. They're not that close. You know, why would Angela show up for this if she didn't like him? Why would Daryl show up for this? I can understand Michael wanting to be there, and I can understand maybe if they would have had Michael somehow forcing them to be there. Right. I, I don't know. At least with Niagara, he gave them the weekend off if they went to the wedding. So that was at least sort of explained. But, mm-hmm. um,. But here we just get this totally ridiculous thing. I mean, just before we start with the clips, did, did that bother you at all, or was that not a problem? Oh, it bothered me. <laughs> oh, what, you don't, uh, all of your coworkers didn't go to your children's christenings, Kevin? That's right. <laughs> you know, that was one of the other things that did bother me, and I wish that, you know, I know it's a show, I know it's a sitcom, that they have to have all the characters. If they would have pared it down a little bit, or if they would have had some kind of competing plot line, maybe with some of the other people in the office doing something else at the time, uh, maybe it would have worked better for me. I mean, obviously, like I said, it makes sense for Michael to be there. No, Michael and maybe Andy, a couple other people, like you were saying. But the problem is that then you wouldn't have had an opportunity for all these other people to do crazy, stupid things in it, and also to act mean. So maybe they shouldn't have even gone there, but all right. (laughs) Well, one thing that we want to talk about, I guess, is that you and I have been complaining for like three seasons that Ryan hasn't had enough dialogue. He had about 15 lines in this one. How did that work for you? Yeah, right. I know. (laughs) You didn't like those? I mean, a lot of zingers, a lot of kind of wacky, crazy, uh, sort of funny zingers. I guess. I don't know. Not that good. (laughs) Another iPad joke. A lot of mean stuff, though. I guess you're right. 
well, credulity, I guess, be damned. Everyone shows up here at the baby christening, and uh, just let the helpers explain what's going on. Cece's getting christened today. Big day. Everyone from work is here. We weren't planning on that. Nope. I invited everyone in the office because it's not a day for just Jim or Pam or the baby or me. It is about us all. And I thought we should all celebrate my joy and our all of our joys. Does the Nard Dog want Nard Pups? Yeah, I want a big old litter of Nard Pups. All jumping around, sucking on the teeth. Put them in a box, give them to my neighbors. Yeah, I want kids. And the Nard Dog thing, I don't know, it didn't do too much for me. Uh, but there's Michael laying it out there, making it all about him, which is what we've, you know, we've seen that a thousand times. Yep. Um, and so it was kind of setting things up to, to be pretty predictable that you sort of knew how this was going to play out. I, I don't know what more we need to say. Did, did you uh, enjoy the Nard Pup speech? No, I didn't. And <laughs> again, this was, you know, more sort of, yeah, we get it. You want to have kids in the family and you're still pining for Aaron. Okay, we get it. Well, it would actually would have made more sense to me if if he would have actually been more open about wanting to get back with Aaron. I mean, they made a really easy joke later on about that, him jumping on the bus, but you know, it would have been nice if he would be a little more, I don't know, maybe a little more direct to the camera in some ways. The deleted scenes are full of about three or four other clips of different characters talking about wanting to have kids uh, or not wanting to have kids. So, uh, I mean, we'll get to that in, in a little while, but um yeah, you know, Andy, I'm having a hard time really understanding his motivation here. Previous seasons, you know, right when he almost married Angela, it seemed like he was just really hyped to uh, to get married. Uh, that's sort of fallen by the wayside. So Michael, very excited. He's very up for it. He comes up to the family sitting there uh, up by the, the preacher, uh, tries to kind of weasel his way in there with one of the world's worst Marlon Brando impersonations. Okay, Michael, um, you know I love when you do that voice, but today, I'm so sorry, I need you to tell me that you know you're not Cece's godfather. Yeah! I'm sorry, Michael, I need you to say it, I'm so sorry. I'm not the godfather. Okay, thank you. Uh, uh, so who is the godfather? Our friend Seth and his wife there, yeah. Old friend, like you know, since kindergarten. No, I met his wife and mommy and me. They're a great couple. You should meet them later. No, I have plenty of friends, so I don't even know how to say this. But CC is turning out to be a little bitch, and that's not true. But her parents are kind of boxing me out. Man, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> the baby's a bitch. Michael is pretty mad, that is for sure. Well, at least he and realizes he, it. Yeah, and I guess he's got, I think we talked about it earlier, he's got reasonable cause, I think. I mean, he's, it's pretty obvious, of course, Michael, you probably don't want him to be involved. You don't want him to be the child's grand, you know, godfather. Uh, you, you wouldn't want him to raise your child if something went wrong. So it's understandable that that would be the case. I mean, it does really add insult to injury, though, that it's these randomly met people you figure i mean we've talked about this before you and i kevin that these characters have no friends uh jim and pam seem to have no friends uh, outside mm. of the office which is very strange you know one other thing that really kind of bothered me i mean they they did have jim's father 
uh, on the show. They had Pam's mother on the show. They had, um, like I said, Meemaw makes a return appearance. Wouldn't this have been a perfect time to have old Isabel come back into the plot? Or Jim's wacky brothers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know they came from different locations and things, but... Yeah, that would have been much more appropriate. Making one of their sisters or one of their brothers or something, the uh, the godparents would definitely have made a little bit more sense. And them acting mean to Michael would have been more believable too. But yep. So Michael, very like you said, he's very upset. He kind of blames the baby, but then realizes, of course, it's not really the baby's fault. Jim and Pam are being mean to him. Um, and as he sees them kind of up there, sees them getting along without him, he uh, has a little bit of regret. Jim and Pam and Cece really seem to be clicking. They are totally gelling. It's as if they leave my office and they go to another office that sells happiness. And good for them. That's great because, you know, the paper industry is not going to last forever. For all their generosity of spirit, they password protect their wireless? Try Jesus. Opus Day. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm feeling this. Call it the Holy Spirit or the Passion of the Christ. I am loving these people. I, I put that line in there with Ryan because that was actually one of the few laughs that I actually got watching it on, on the original Thursday. There was a chuckle there. Yeah. <laughs> They're all sitting around trying to crack the Wi-Fi password on the church wireless uh, and, and rebuffing. You know, rebuffing Carla, the youth minister person, and her parents that are trying to be nice and shake hands. And this is where we get the turn, and I put that in there because of that. Uh, Like I said, to me it makes perfect sense. It does fit in with Michael's character that he feels left out. He feels alone. Um, You know, we've always talked about the office's family, and of course now Jim and Pam don't want him in their family. The regular other people in the office are being just kind of dickish jerks uh and michael finds solace in these other nice church-going people no i think that is the important turn there and of course we you don't even you didn't even have the courage to play the the scene with jim in the poopy diaper oh well (laughs) no i i didn't play that at all as we already have (laughs) talked about many times well, and, 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 and this is another example, though, of, of just the, the ridiculously stupid things that occur during this episode. You'd think, wouldn't you think that you want to have your A-list poopy diaper person on there for the special day there? You really want to put Jim, the B-team, on the poopy diaper patrol? <laughs> I know he's the dad, I know he's changed a bunch of poopy diapers, but, you know, it's a special dress and everything else. Why yeah. is it Jim? And well, you know, of course, if it was Pam, that's exactly why. Because if it was Pam, it wouldn't have happened. And then you wouldn't have gotten right. the baby brought out in a big T-shirt. and uh, The Arcade Fire T-shirt, yeah. It, it, exactly. So that's exactly why it was done that way, to get the cheap sitcom laugh. Uh, they have the lame lines. I, you know, I just wondered, is John Krasinski, did, did he feel a little part of his soul dying as he <laughs> uttered... <laughs> Those lines like, oh, what are you making that face for? Oh, no, don't poop. Don't go on the dress. No, no, no. And, of course, they didn't really say what was going on, but it was uh, very obvious what the intention was. So baby craps on (laughs) baptism dress, comes back in the T-shirt. Pam flummoxed um, Jim, a bad father, which I guess is kind of the 
the theme that we have running through this episode, wasn't it? Well, in the following episode, too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. I guess. <laughs> terrible, terrible guy. I need some more practice, I guess. So, you know, as we said, that, that didn't work for me. The one thing, I, the other thing I got to say is that this, this didn't feel like a church to me uh, at all. It felt like a Hollywood church. Um, I, the, the pastor just seemed kind of fakey. The, the youth group people seemed really sort of sitcom-y and, and stereotypical. And it just, it, it, it just felt kind of overall very fakey to me. Mm-hmm. Here we get the introduction. Then Michael's kind of making his move. He's looking for a new family to fit into. The pastor makes this kind of stupid announcement, which sitcom-y, <laughs> sitcom-y drives the plot down in that other direction there where, of course, she says the Halberts are having an open uh, reception, which, uh, of course, they weren't. And, of course, he said their name wrong. And so everyone's going to come and there's not enough food. And, oh, my goodness, how wacky this will be. And Angela is none too impressed by the spread. Well, this is intimate. We just had to add a few more tables. We weren't expecting this many people. You don't know them all? Nope. And we're going to need a loaves and fishes kind of miracle to feed them all. <laughs> Jesus is not your caterer. But he should be your caterer. Because you're a little angel. Why didn't your parents get you a caterer? They don't think. Don't listen to her. She's just jealous because she doesn't get to come home to someone as cute as you. Huh, you think she is jealous about having a baby? I don't know. I'm just hungry. Okay, well, you know what? Everybody's hungry. Sorry, I think I'm just hungry. I did kind of like that line there where they bicker at each yes. other. Um, so that actually did ring pretty true. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just hungry. Uh, that that worked. was all right. Yeah, the, the Angela stuff, as we said, just... And, and then him throwing that line in there about her being jealous just seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah, and we're used to Angela being maybe not the best friend in the office, but this stuff seemed pretty mean here with the... Pam was trying to make light of the situation with the loaves and fishes joke, and Angela was having none of it, which seemed pretty unreasonable. Well, I mean, she... Certainly, certainly not in the, uh, you know, Christian way, I think. Well, but that fits in with her character, at least. I, you know, she was always kind of that person set up as sort of this repressed, like really religious sort of person. And so when she says, "Oh, you don't know everyone here in the church," I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a dig. Uh, yeah. You know, it makes sense to me, and it works. But her being so kind of ridiculously nice to the baby—I uh, mean, is there any precedent for that? Have we seen that in her character before? Well. The fact that she's got this love contract with Dwight may, might mean she has baby fever. I, I, I was thinking that it wouldn't make much more sense to have her and Dwight seem to be here at this event in some kind of couple kind of capacity. Um, you know, <laughs> I could see that happening. I could see her dragging him along to church because that was what she always used to do in the past. I don't know if you remember <laughs> right, one yes. of the good episodes where they're down in the warehouse, you know, they're eating pizza and they're talking shit with the warehouse guys. And man, don't you hate it when your girlfriend makes you drive her to church and then you got <laughs> pay for the gas and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know that that would have fit in there pretty well, but uh, instead it was just the setup for a very lame payoff later on. This probably is again, this, this is one of my favorite clips. It's a little bit longer than, uh, than some of the other ones here. As, as the reception goes on, the uh, Dunder Mifflin crew, they're all just kind of sitting there being little whiners and complainers and where's the food? This is terrible. This is boring. All those people over there are 
lunatics. Ryan has this kind of crazy lines about how uh, the youth group, uh, well, the Teach for America girls are way hotter than them. Uh, <laughs> but they're they're crazy. Uh, he has those weird that, that weird comment about how all the prostitutes <laughs> come from this village that they're supposed to be uh, going to to fix the building. So, uh, you know, Michael's really kind of reaching a boiling point here and uh, just gets very fed up with everyone in the office. This is not the meal I was promised. I'm going to have no energy for the rest of the day. I cancel my plans to come to this thing, and they repay me with this? You know what, guys? Let's just enjoy lunch. With what? How? Sometimes, Michael. Sometimes. We need to do stuff together outside of work. Let's go help Africa. Let's go build an airport. We'll start small, we'll have a car wash, we'll send some cheerleaders to regionals. We could be the hungry. Us. Why do we have to do something together? I volunteer at a clinic on my own time. Yeah, well, that's just a pickup scene. Okay, we don't have to volunteer, but I think we should hang out more together. We are hanging out. Right now. You want some more of this? Look at these people. These are church-going people. And they know how party. Church isn't a party, Michael. Well, it's, it's... Welcome to the party. Everybody have their Kool-Aid. No, okay. You know what? That's inappropriate. What is wrong with you guys? What is wrong with you? What is so horrible about wanting to get together and do something nice? Why did you guys even come today? What's so great about your lives that you think you're better than everybody else? You can make fun of everybody else. You're mean. You're mean girls. Like the movie Mean Girls. And Kevin... And Stanley, if you don't stop worrying so much about what you're going to put in your gullet, you're going to die in about a month. So again, we you know we've been talking this season about Michael sort of being the more mature character, sadly enough. And in this episode, yeah. he's very up and down, very makes some very stupid decisions. But that was a very mature sort of speech. He's speaking the truth, definitely in the office, being very very. More than usual, being very that uh, kind of cool kid click here in the church. Um, Ryan's little goofy thing about drink, drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, see, that was that did not ring true to me because I, it seemed very strange to me. But also the fact that everyone really la- laughed at that line. Mm-hmm. I always viewed him as maybe not being the guy that the Phyllis and the Stanleys uh, and the Oscars and Kevin's sort of pay attention to. Right. So much, yeah. That so. makes sense. Uh, he was just in full sort of quip mode this episode. Yeah. That was kind of his role to play. So you're exactly right. Maybe not exactly in character as far as how he's been done previously. Um, I, I I wish to God that they would have just answered that question. Michael says, "Why did you even come today?" <laughs> I would like exactly. to know. I would like to know the answer. As uh, as well, um, the gullets thing very funny. I really enjoyed that line. Michael kind of boom roasting everyone there for their crotchetiness. Uh-huh. So that was very funny. Now speaking of that was funny, Kevin and I talked about this in the intro, but I want to play this line because this to me this is anti funny. And uh, when anti funny and funny come into contact with each other, it uh, it will create a massive destruction that will destroy the universe. So here. Uh, for your view, listening pleasure, what I think is probably the worst office episode line, uh, maybe ever. Uh, Cece went down. What was this? You're out of it. Scones. Well, I didn't get one. Oh, makes you feel better. I didn't get one either. Is it just the one jug of apple cider? Who the heck was that? 
I think that was Sconesy Cider, noted baptism reception critic. We need more food. I'll go get some subs and sodas. All right. And cider. <laughs> and right there, right there where he says that line, cider, it makes that god fucking damn it smug ass little look to the camera. I just, <laughs> ugh, Krasinski, you didn't earn that look. No one's on your side. And Sconesy cider. Not even a Sconesy mix cider. If you put the mick in there, maybe at least would have a little bit of internet sort of humor vibe thing going there. But no, that's Sconesy cider. I don't know. I, that line, that's just the worst. Like I said, that's got to be one of the worst office lines I can ever think of. Well, you know, I'm trying to recall what the preacher exactly said. But I don't recall the preacher saying that it was going to be a full buffet luncheon. <laughs> that they were going to have. They, were, they talked about a reception with some refreshments. So, okay, then maybe they had not, you know, enough for everyone to come out of that place, you know, holding their stomachs because they ate too much. But <laughs> it sure seemed like everyone was in this mode, including this random woman here, that if the fact that they didn't come out of there without needing to eat dinner that night, that somehow the thing was a bust. Well, <laughs> so again, very not realistic. Well, I guess some people in some of the comments, people were thinking that that was realistic, that that's how people act at these sorts of things. And I don't know if I necessarily disagree. I mean, people are kind of assholes, uh, even at a free meal. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but- I kind of buy I kind of buy the attitude. There's that other guy that's in there who's, you know, the, the, the whatever clan. We're waiting on uh, food here. You know, what's going on with this? So, uh, nah, I don't know. I mean, I but, think... But, but the problem was that they didn't really put anybody, especially Jim and Pam in this case, in a sympathetic position and, and gave them some sort of, um, you know, win or something at the end mm-hmm. or something that would have given us some somebody to root for because the problem with, you know, everyone's fighting and bagging on Jim and Pam, but of course they keep making all these dumb, boneheaded decisions themselves, so there's really nobody to root for except... Like you were saying earlier, Michael, perhaps. <laughs> well, that's a good point. I mean, I think that we are meant to side with Jim and Pam and feel bad for them. But I, I didn't. I agree. I didn't feel bad. And, yeah, the people there were kind of assholes and they were uh, grubbing off their food. But the uh, it was really the preacher's fault. <laughs> they didn't speak up. They didn't have the, the balls to speak up and say, oh, no, no, uh, it's not for everyone. So uh, that was kind of their own fault. Um yeah, I can kind of see where they're going with it, but it just—I don't think it worked for me. I think that was my problem, really, with the whole episode. That the actual idea uh, wasn't that bad, but the execution, I think, left a lot to be desired. Well, let's get rid of that stuff. Let's get back to the funny, sort of let's, funny Michael stuff. <laughs> speaking of bad ideas, <laughs> yep, exactly. And Michael leaves the the church hall. He's very upset. Everyone. Uh, was mocking the other people, and he just went off on them, how terrible they were. And, and what does he see but everyone cheering and clapping and you know, having a corridor of hugs and handshakes for the departing youth group ministry people. Um, he first <laughs> you know, gets in the handshake line and hugs and handshakes, and when everyone gets on the bus, well, he goes himself through the line and grabs hugs and handshakes from people. Uh, before plopping himself down on the bus. Uh, they welcome him heartily. Unfortunately, the rest of the office not quite so gung-ho on his decision. Michael, can 
Get off the bus. No, I'm not. I'm staying on the bus. I'm already on the bus. I'm going. Michael, we, this is irresponsible. It is not irresponsible. I have never been more confident about a decision in my life. I agree. I think it's superb. Well, you have a job to do. Okay, there's no off-season when it comes to printer sales. You know what? My job will be here when I get back. Michael, what am I supposed to tell my clients if they ask about you? Tell them that I died and I turned into an angel. And when they feel that chill on the back of their neck, that is just me watching over them. Okay, but what about the bigger corporate accounts? Tell them that I'm in a meeting. Michael, I am just about to close a sale. Can I authorize a 15% discount? No, you may not. I think it's really cool, Michael. I wish I had a job that I could just leave. Thank you. Save me an aisle seat, Michael. I'm coming. I will not stand idly by while these Mexican villagers are sick. We're actually building them a school. Whatever. They need to I won't. I, I won't stand for it. That I, okay? I gotta say, I, I called out that Jim line as being one of the worst office lines ever written. Um, I, I really did get a laugh out of that. Michael's line: "What do I tell them? Tell them I'm an angel. Tell them I died. What if it's a big account? Oh, tell them I'm in a meeting. I don't know. That that line really worked for me. I really enjoyed that. Well, and again, it's ridiculous. I mean, what? Phyllis doesn't know what to say if Michael's not around. <laughs> Presumably he would be replaced or someone else would take his position. I mean, is that so hard to fathom? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's a setup. I mean, it's a sitcom. And that's the thing. It's a very sitcom-y setup. What do I say? What do I do? Uh, we get Return of the Dwight business there, which, again, I thought was kind of funny. Uh, can you authorize a discount? No. <laughs> he runs off again. <laughs> I don't know that 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 stuff there. I, I thought it was really funny, as as maybe unrealistic as it was. I mean, Gabe speaks up. Daryl's all cool with Michael leaving. Um, you think everyone would be happy <laughs> to get rid of him? <laughs> Which uh, would have been kind of funny if they would have gone that route. Like everyone's like, "Yeah, good luck, Michael." <laughs> now, Kevin, let me ask you this because I, I I gotta admit that I kind of felt this. Um, as I was watching this, I was thinking to myself, oh, no, they're not going to make this be the way that uh, <laughs> that Michael leaves the show. Did you feel that at all? No, but I also feel like any time Michael does something this, up, this season where that could be potentially a indirect or direct step towards his eventual departure, we all overanalyze it. And, <laughs> you know, I'm as, just as guilty as you are, so... But, yeah, let's hope that this isn't the genesis of something that happens at the end of the season, right? Well, I just, I was, I mean, I was just thinking, I knew that it wasn't, I, I, you know, but I was just thinking, like, oh, no, they're not going to have him leave the show this way, really? He's going to ride the bus down to Mexico, and that'll be the last, <laughs> the last we see of the Michael Scott character. But, uh, alas, it is not to be. He will be back. So Michael gets on the bus, Andy, to impress Aaron, gets on the bus. So we have the two bumbling boobs off on a wonderful road trip. Uh, you know, at first, they're just all excited. Andy, you know, oh, I'm going to need to borrow a few things <laughs> from people. Uh, you know, they, uh, finally, when they settle down, after all the excitement has worn off, all the other church kids are kind of sleeping or, or uh, doing their own thing on the bus. Michael sort of starts to have a little bit of a second thought here. Ooh, what are we building down there again? Like a hospital? School for Mexicans? What? I don't know. I thought it was like a gymnasium or a... Why aren't they building it themselves? They don't know how. Do we know how? I don't know how. I don't know. You Car know how? Carla knows. Carla knows. 
Oh, I feel like there were so many more people on this bus. There were like two, three hundred people before. What is happening? Oh, God, what is happening? Do you smell like a weird, warm cheese? Oh, God. You know what? I am going to be in Mexico for my half birthday. And the Christmas party. And Cinco de Mayo. Nah. No, <laughs> we'll be back before that. No, we, no. You know how these things go. Construction projects, they say three months. And then after two years, the lazy bums haven't even started. Now, we're those lazy bums. I got to get off this bus. So uh, it makes total sense, Michael feeling the regret. He had that momentary high where it all seemed to be perfectly logical. But uh, knowing that he's going to miss his half birthday and, and miss Cinco de Mayo, he <laughs> starting to have some cold feet. It's pretty, it's pretty bad when discussions about half birthdays and smelling weird cheese don't even register on the bad line meter. <laughs> Oh, well, come on, I, Kevin. <laughs> I, I, I thought the, but I mean, that's the thing is I thought the weird, the weird cheese thing actually was pretty funny. That whole scene I really enjoyed. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good line. Michael having that sort of breakdown there where he starts off uh, and then he's kind of moaning and, uh, uh, you know, and he keeps, was doing good there too. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're both building themselves up. What have we got, you know, what have we gotten ourselves into? Um, the only thing that I just, thought fell really flat with that is that i'm sorry but if a grown man says stop the damn bus <laughs> the bus driver's gonna stop the bus um you know they made this big thing and, and it really kind of poor acting i don't know if that was the real life bus driver <laughs> that they had on camera there but it was just you know no you can't talk to the bus driver we're gonna stop in tennessee uh <laughs> and they just kept no <laughs> So that was a little ridiculous, but uh, we'll get back to that. Jim running around, trying to get things happening, trying to get things done, uh, puts baby Cece down with Meemaw, asks her to watch the baby. Uh, he comes back. The baby is missing, doesn't know where she is. Of course, we see a little shot of Helene carrying her in the background, but old Jim doesn't know. You think maybe the camera guy could have maybe not been a dick and told him <laughs> where the baby was instead of having him freak out about it, but uh, I guess that doesn't make for good television. <laughs> um so and he's the bag running. Is missing too. <laughs> yeah, he's running around, can't find the baby. Uh, talks to his dad, you know. Oh, talks to the other guys, like, "Oh, did you see my baby? Oh, yeah, a short blonde woman had her." For some reason, she's leaving the little reception hall. Jim yells out uh, to try to stop her, and uh, well, I'll, let me just let this play out in all its sad, sad glory. Hey, have you seen my baby? I think maybe some blonde lady had her. A small blonde woman? Smaller than me. Uh, everyone? Everyone? Can I just have your attention? Has anyone seen a small... Stop that tiny blonde woman! She stole my baby! What are you doing? Give me the baby! What? Kevin! Hi, honey. I was just, uh, just changing the baby. All right. Travel safe, Angela. Did you think I stole your baby? Oh, yeah. Back then I did. Just now. So don't, because I've got my eye on you. <gasps> Look at these scones, Jim. Thousands of them. What kind of a person steals scones from a baby? Someone put them in my bag. Did you lose Cece? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit I did. So uh, Jim right there, a frazzled father or just a massive asshole? 
He is not an asshole. Uh, especially in this... It, the capper there from Pam, I thought, was especially bad, because at least if they're together in this situation, then we can root for them together. But now, Jim hasn't done a damn thing wrong, per se, in terms of losing the child. He leaves it with the grandmother, then someone else takes the baby. It's not his fault that the baby got lost. And, okay, he freaked out a little bit with Angela... Um, but of course, and, and you know, the other thing too, she stole all these scones. Wouldn't there have been a nice little capper there to say, oh, now I see why there's no more, there hasn't been any food. It's not your fault, Jim. It's a stupid woman's fault. Then that would have at least given us back the sympathy we should have been presumably been giving to Jim and Pam, but alas. Well, but isn't he a total, isn't he just an asshole that he accuses her of stealing his baby and then just weasels his way out of it? Like, oh yeah, well, drive safe. Uh, well, I got my eye on you. I mean, <laughs> if she wasn't if she wasn't stealing something, then yes. But she was in fact stealing something. He just didn't quite have the right details there. But she was not blameless and guilt free of theft. But that's episode. even goofier. Why the hell would she steal the scones from the reception? <laughs> well, and guess what? Here's another plot point. If they'd at least explained that, then maybe I would have gotten a payoff on that. But they didn't. <laughs> Uh, her, cat, her cats love scones if she had mentioned something about that then it would have made sense right or if she was purposely trying to sabotage the uh, reception that, that would be another good reason that yep. would have worked and then we could have really not felt bad you know we, we could have been glad that she got busted and and right. everything else but it just it, it i don't know it seemed really ridiculous to me that jim would even leap to that and that's why i asked you know if he's if he's just going crazy, I mean, I understand that if he's losing his mind, uh, that maybe it could be acceptable. But just the fact that he doesn't even apologize, doesn't even say a single word of regret to her whatsoever was, uh, you know, a little a little obnoxious. But, uh, well, so there's the ending of the big baby reception plotline. Unfortunately, it's not the end of the Michael Plotline on the bus. Now, as Andy and Michael are getting more and more and more worked up about being let off, uh, Stoner, <laughs> the, the guy that kind of looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, the big Stoner guy, uh, steps up and asks him, Hey, dude, what's going on, man? Hey, is there a problem, you guys? Yeah, just get him to stop the bus, please. Why? Just make him stop the freaking bus! Stop the bus, okay? Are you okay, sir? I didn't sign up for this. You guys are young. That's great. You want to give back to society? I've done that. I need to take. You have plenty left to give. You're doing a great job. Blah, blah, blah. We can go back matter. and forth yeah. all day. Yeah. It's not going to solve anything. If we went to Mexico, we'd probably screw everything up Do anyway. Do you want that for a little Jessica? No, right. you don't. And the answer is clear. Stop the bus. Stop okay? the bus. Stop, Stop the bus. bus. Stop the 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 bus. Okay. Stop the dang bus. Okay. Well... A pleasure. Go save the world. We'll keep an eye on America for you. Wait for me. Don't say anything to my parents. So I kind of like that little payoff at the end there with the kid that jumps off the bus. I kind of talked about that before. Um, yep. Michael getting all worked up. Andy doing his, you know, <laughs> he asked him what he could do and his fake crying is one of his skills that, that, uh, that he said he had so you know whether he was really that upset or not but you know again it comes down to that whole thing that really 
if you tell the guy to pull the damn bus over, he's not going to pull the bus over. He's got to wait for Shaggy McStoner there to tell him to pull the bus over. Well, like I said, I, I thought that was really <laughs> funny. You heard me. Yeah. Uh, did, it bo- did it bother you that Michael didn't get back the T-shirt, though? It really bothered me. <laughs> did it? Yes. I gotta I'm admit, totally thinking about that. I gotta admit, it didn't cross my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was you know it was funny. It was ridiculous. It's typical kind of Michael acting like an ass, uh, awkward, a little bit awkward. But you know, it wasn't that awkward. You kind of felt for him. You know, you realize he he made a poor call and he wanted to get himself out of it, and uh, realized that it was a really dumb idea. <laughs> So, you know, fair fair play to him. I, I, I did enjoy that plot line. So uh, at least that is enough to keep me warm at night while I'm sitting here thinking about this episode. Uh, that just leaves the ending clip. And here we already debated about this a little bit before. Very, very strange. Aaron comes to pick them up from the side of the road. Get in quick. Why quick? So it's faster. Do you guys want me to take you home or go back to the church? Is anyone still at the church? No, actually, most of them went to go see a movie. What? Shut up. Yeah. Kevin suggested it, and then they all went in Meredith's minivan. It is so nice to be back in a country that has movies. I bet. You guys. Can I come? Oh, Lake Wobblegon's on. Well, the Lutheran you guys cool with that? brought their banana bread, but Fred Nordquist had no appetite. He was thinking about his pair of new boots. Been ten years, after all. And as he told Mrs. Nordquist, it would take two years to get comfortable with the new boots. So I already talked about the fact that how bizarre that was that Aaron, uh, probably the stupidest person in the world, would be listening to NPR, listening to Garrison Keillor. I guess maybe they tried to make some uh, equivalency there of her being kind of one of those dopey sort of people that live in that town or something. I'm not really sure exactly what that's all about. But uh, I do have to say it's kind of weird also that Michael, you know, I guess he kind of got what he wanted. He got the the office people went on an activity together, but he wasn't a part of it. So you, you think almost that maybe he'd be upset that he was left out of exactly. the activity. Exactly. He should be mad, not happy. <laughs> so many things wrong with that, I guess. And, and if at least they had a, if they had one of those talking heads, those little narrated things like they always do, where he, he can, he explained how he vindicated himself. Then I would have maybe bought it, but they didn't really go that far, so... Well, maybe they seem to imply that they were going to go meet everyone else at the movie. The kid says, can I come? So yeah, uh, maybe right. they were all going to go meet everyone there. I don't know. But yeah, it did feel a little weird to me. Uh, so uh, that's about it, man. Let's just put a capper on this episode, I guess. Speaking of weird, let's have some deleted scenes. All right. So we got two deleted scenes. Um First one, just like I said, more clips of people talking about wanting to have or not wanting to have kids. Uh, and then uh, some other kind of business with Michael putting himself in the way. He looks like me today. She does. Yes, I would like to have a baby. I think I would be quite skilled as a mother. And I think the child would appreciate that. And I think in time, the child would realize that I loved it very dearly. Yeah, I'm so excited to have kids. I think that mixed-race babies are beautiful. They have a lot of identity issues growing up. You really got to know what you're getting into. Well, what's so hard about being beautiful? The girls have an easy time. The guys have complexes. It's... I wouldn't take that risk. 
do I want a kid? Probably not. And if one more lesbian couple asks for my sperm, I will scream. Can we all get together for a quick family photo? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. All right. Just a quick one. Aww, Michael. <laughs> all right. I'm actually just take the uh, photo of the big button right there. Okay. Very good. Good. Make a silly face. No, Michael. All right. Make a serious face, but say banana pants. Banana pants. There you go. <laughs> One for luck. I think we got it. Thank you. There we go. So today won't be as small or as sweet as we originally planned. We're just going to have to settle for smallish and Swedish. Smallish and Swedish. Like a meatball. Nice. Gabe adopts families. Oh, don't, don't. They always send you a picture. I used to send them my picture. Then little Labasi here got his village together to send me a bag of rice. So... <laughs> No more pictures. I get volunteering. This summer, I went down to the Gulf Coast to help with the cleanup, and it was amazing. Total f- best. Those BP guys, they know how to party. Changed my life. So yet another crazy Ryan one-liner. He, uh, this was just... I don't know how in character this was, really, for him, but it, they definitely decided to make him the joke machine this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently it didn't work a for of, you. A lot of good stuff there on the cutting room floor. <laughs> it worked out so well. Yeah, I mean, the stuff with the camera and taking the pictures, that was straight out of Phyllis's wedding as well, him trying to ingratiate himself in the middle of some other family events. So it uh-huh. made total sense that they would get rid of it. Um, <laughs> so some, some more creepy business there with Gabe. Yeah, that's but. true. Got to send him some rice. Uh, Ichabod Crane body. And all. All right, well, before we get into talking about the news, Kevin, let's take a second to talk about our sponsors and how you as listeners can help the show. Uh, Obviously, Kevin and I need to refill our Prozac prescriptions. So uh, any bit bit that you can to help the show, to help us keep ourselves going here, uh, is greatly appreciated. Uh, One of the easy ways that you can help the show is to just go to pwsspodcast.com and uh, click on the paypal donate button um you can do it pretty much from anywhere from any country so it's not you don't have to sign up for netflix or have to sign up for audible or sign up for some other service that you don't really want uh if you'd like to kick a few bucks our way it would be greatly appreciated to help us pay for the podcast hosting uh and other little things there definitely helps to uh helps to motivate us a little bit to know that we're not doing it uh you're not losing money on making the podcast, that's for sure. Uh, I'd just like to make uh, mention of the people so far that have donated to the podcast. Dan S., Andy R., Archie H., Victor T., Diane H., Kristen, Christine S., and Douglas N. have all so far donated a few dollars or more to the podcast. So thank you guys very much. All right. Hey, very good. Thanks a lot. We're also sponsored this week by Audible. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer or your portable MP3 player. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said and get a free one-credit audiobook download when you sign up today. You can listen to these audiobooks and other audio programs wherever and wherever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. 
Audible has over 75,000 titles to choose from. With every genre, Audible has it covered. Remember, you can get your two-week free trial today when you sign up. And Matt, you have a pick? I do have a pick. This book just came out uh, this past week, Tuesday. And uh, I've kind of gone on record the last few years. I've become a really big Stephen King fan. So his new book, Full Dark, No Stars, just came out on November 9th. And this is a uh, collection of four novellas. Uh, not really short stories, but they're a little, you know, longer stuff in there. Uh, pretty interesting. I just finished reading it today, in fact, and it was, you know, it was overall pretty satisfying. Uh, you can get the unabridged version that's going to run 14 hours, uh, narrated by Craig Wasson and uh, Jessica Hecht, who you may remember as Ross's lesbian ex-wife, uh, or, or the partner, I should say, of Ross's lesbian ex-wife. Also, just recently seen on uh, Bored to Death as uh, the character George's urologist. So uh, that's totally free. If you'd like to sign up for the free two-week trial, you can get that book. No strings attached. Quit immediately, and you can keep the book forever. So remember, go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said and uh, start your trial. All right, Matt and I have got to pick this week. It's The War for Late Night by Bill Carter. This is a sequel of sorts to his uh, earlier book from the early 90s about the late night wars. Uh, this one, of course, is all about Leno and Conan and all that. Um, and it uh, just came out, and it's a really good book. So check it out on audible.com. So does it cover all the whole all that Team Coco stuff and, that, and those oh, sorts yeah. of things? Great all book. Right. Uh, speaking of which, I don't know, have you, uh, have you been watching the TBS Conan show. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's not a big it's, late it's a night talk show. <laughs> it's a talk show. It's, you know. Yeah, you, I, I watched the first like episode. You like Conan or you don't like him. You know. <laughs> Speaking of someone who has an Ichabod Crane style Gabe body, I think we should chip in and send Conan a bag of rice, but uh, it's neither <laughs> here nor there, I guess. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fax. Oh, and this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? You have to. Oh, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get a fax this morning? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the one. Why didn't, uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All right, well, if all of our griping and bitching and complaining this episode hasn't turned you off the show forever, why not vote for That's What She Said in the Podcast Awards? Remember, you can go to www.podcastawards.com to vote for That's What She Said in the Entertainment category. Unlike past years, you only need to vote once during the entire voting period, November 7th through the 21st, so... Definitely, if you, uh, if you do enjoy what we're doing here, if you'd like to nominate or uh, vote for us, give it a shot. All right, Matt, this is a real interesting study from Ad Age. You are what you watch, market data suggests. According to psychographic ad targeter Mindset Media, the TV shows that you watch can, often, can offer marketers key insights into your personality. For instance, more modest people are more likely to watch the Blue Collar Hero show Deadliest Catch, while altruistic people tend to prefer cooking shows like Rachel Ray or reality shows with happy endings like The Bachelor. (laughs) Uh, Your personality determines what you consume, what TV shows you watch, what products you buy, and all the other decisions you make. Political choices, for example, said Mindset Media CEO Jim Meyer. 
We didn't invent psychographics or personality tests. They're really things that just separate biogroups into where demographics fail. Well, Kevin, so what is it? Uh, obviously, we're big office watchers. So what does it say about us that we watch The Office? Yes, it says here, like Michael on the show, watchers of The Office think they are superior to others. Mm. <laughs> the fact, the fact <laughs> folks who consider the, in fact, folks who consider themselves superior to others are 47% more likely to watch a show. Wow. These alpha dogs believe they are extraordinary and happily brag about their accomplishments. <laughs> also prefer to be in charge, directing others rather than being directed. Brands that would be a good buy on a show include Starbucks and the BMW Series 3, while McDonald's and Lincoln Town Car would not be so good. Experientialists, like Gleeks, are also more likely to watch The Office by 44% over the average. There are types that seek out new experiences as a way of living life more fully. Brands that appeal to them include the V8 and VW Beetle, while Doritos and Dodge Caravan hold less of an attraction. Well, i got to say that that sounds like a... Uh, it described me to a T, Kevin. <laughs> Right. I now, definitely course, agree. Let's. Uh, well, Matt, I would um, like to comment on this story, but I've got too busy counting my uh, bonus that I just received at work. <laughs> well, Kevin, you and I are better than the average person, so. That is why people should vote for us, because we are better. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and look at the cast blogs. I guess our old friend Dwight Schrute has updated his Schrute Space blog at NBC.com. He says, Welcome to the DMS family. I would like to say hello and God bless to all the new clients I met at the Church of the Angels. You made the right decision by choosing Dunder Mifflin Saber as your paper supplier. Might I remind you that the world's number one bestseller, the Bible, is printed on paper? <laughs> What's the oldest book in that paper Bible? Job. What good deed are you completing by teaming up with DMS? You're helping 40-plus local paper employees keep their jobs. Pronounced differently, but still, it comes full circle. Not only is Dunder Mifflin Saber Paper Company efficient and economical, it's also made up of a bunch of hardy workers. Let me give you a little background. Jim and Pam Halpert, my deskmates, almost had their firstborn child at Dunder Mifflin, attempting to recreate a real-life manger scene in consequence of their undying love for the company. Aaron Hannon, humble receptionist, is friends with a number of nuns and orphans. And Creed Bratton, quality assistance, Quality Assurance claims to have once died and spoken with the Good Shepherd himself. These people are warm and real, and I can honestly tell you, I don't hate them. You don't want to be doing business with a bunch of superstore corporate lucifers who hold extravagant Ivy League educations. You want DMS salesman Phyllis and Stanley, a couple of jolly simpletons who think with their hearts, not with their brains. Welcome to the Dunder Mifflin Saber family. If you weren't already a member of the church, you just may start to worship us. Um, so I guess he kind of left Andy out there to swing. <laughs> the Ivy League educator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, Dwight, uh, ego, confidence, never uh, in short supply. So a nice little follow-up to this episode. And you can also go to Halpert Beasley. Dot com and look at the uh, photos if you want to look at more christening photos for this episode. Well, I'm going there right now, Kevin. Uh, if you can't get enough of our brilliant insights, you can follow Kevin and me on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash summermat and twitter.com slash Crossman. They're personal feeds, of course, not dedicated. That's what she said feeds. So if you follow us, you're going to get what you get, and you might not like what you find. 
So just keep that in mind. If you only want to follow That's What She Said and see what's going on with the show, you can follow us at twitter.com slash podcast. All right. Well, we already had the next episode viewing party uh, at the time of this recording. The next episode to air is woof.com, airing on November 18th, 2010. Michael helps Ryan by charming people to invest in his internet company, woof.com. Dwight creates a hay festival in the parking lot for Thanksgiving holiday. Jim learns of a new Dunder Mifflin policy that prevents him from earning commission. Hmm. Hmm. You know, I gotta say that I really hope that this whole woof.com thing was gonna be a one-off joke. Um, Yeah. I'm really sad (laughs) that they're continuing it and actually going to dedicate an entire episode to this nonsense. It feels like we've gone down this road before, the whole Dunder Mifflin Infinity thing. Um, I, I don't know. I'm hoping that we're not going to have three iffy episodes in a row. I think that will just make me cry. Well, some of us didn't think the last one was iffy, but all right. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. Alright, so feedback on that's what she said, episode 103, where we talked about costume contest, and Kevin, I'm gonna stick it to you. Good old Wes agrees with me here and says, you guys, well, see, it's not me, Wes, it's Kevin. You guys are off your rocker. If you think Packer would be a good boss, it would ruin the show. I'd much rather see Daryl than I would Packer. That character is funny for maybe a couple of minutes every six episodes or so. Any extended time, and it's too much. He's like John Lovitz. He can be funny for maybe three minutes in a movie or a show. But when he took over for Phil Hartman on news radio, it was unwatchable. He is annoying, as is Packer and the guy that plays Packer. Way too over the top. Now, you've been a big proponent of this, Kevin, but we've also said that if he did take over, they would have to change him and tone him down a little bit. Maybe. I think that Michael's done some crazy things, and it would be different kinds of crazy things with Todd Packer there. And I think, personally, that's the kind of new lifeblood that we're looking for. <laughs> so well, I'm going to stick with that. I'm not a West, big... I don't necessarily want Todd Packer in there, but I definitely don't want Daryl. So I'm, I'm still up in the air. I haven't seen a candidate yet that I am really rooting for. All right. Well, certainly David Keckner as an actor is less... Uh, personable than uh, Steve Carell, that's for sure. All right, John Leonard wrote, I thought Kelly was dressed up as, during the runway as Katy Perry. Hmm. Well, that could have been, it might have been more obvious, I guess, I don't know. She didn't well, have big boobs hanging out like Katy Perry. Yeah, I'm not a huge uh, video watcher, but I have seen the, the video for California Girls and all of its craziness. Um, Katy Perry doesn't really dress up like that. I mean, it's not the right colors, not the right outfits, but... Uh, that would have been funny if, if Kelly would have had like the uh, the whipped cream boob thing going. That yeah. would have been that would have been amusing. <laughs> Jason with a Y wrote in and said, "I find it interesting that in Koi Pond, aka last year's Halloween episode, Dwight says Jim looks like Popeye's wife. Now in costume contest, Dwight becomes upset and accuses Pam of dressing up as his mom. So does Jim look like Dwight's mom?" <laughs> 
Very interesting. interesting. And maybe that's why he hates him so much. Good job, Jason. All right, well, let's get a little bit of feedback on this episode. Christening, Ray wrote, This was just a horrible episode. After Michael and Andy running off to Mexico, the rest of the episode became so predictable. Ryan seemed like he was 12 the whole time, and I just I was really disappointed to see Meemaw back. <laughs> also, poop jokes. Poop jokes! This is where they've sunk to. This episode was just horrible. Yeah, Ray pretty much captures my sentiment for the most part there, I have to say. Well, let's see what Kim says. She says, I guess I'm in the minority this season because I have enjoyed every episode. Yes, some have been better than others, but I'm satisfied with this season so far. Tonight's episode was good for the most part. I liked Michael's storyline. The christening was fine. The only problem I had tonight was with Jim. I'm starting to take issue with John Krasinski's acting. Maybe the writers are giving him whack lines to deliver. So I can see that. Like I said, I really commented on that. I felt like he was the weakest part of the show. So is it the writer's fault? Is it John Krasinski's fault? Whose fault is it that I no longer sympathize or empathize with Jim? Yeah, exactly. Well, Dave wrote, Can someone please explain to me the significance of Angela stealing scones? Is she out of money? Does she have a scone obsession? Or were they just that damn good? (laughs) Now, that was a possibility we hadn't considered, Matt. Maybe they were just that damn good. That could be, but then they, you know, they could have made a little point of that in the episode where people were like raving and, oh my god, these are the best scones I've ever had. No, I just think it, it would have been, you know, to go in that animosity, it would have made much more sense if they would have had something with her trying to wreck the party or something. Yeah. Um, I could have bought that, and, and and her getting some kind of comeuppance then would have would have made a little bit more sense. Uh, as it was, just seemed very very strange and random. Well, Blake said. I do think that this episode should put to rest the question of Apple paying for product placement. Why on earth would they pay for their product to be in the hands of someone who so consistently uses it to make himself into a raving douchebag? Well, Kevin, I thought that all Apple users were raving douchebags. So. Oh, man. <laughs> You'd then, as a recent iPhone convert, you'd have to be in that group too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I'm, I'm just playing along. Of course, that's the stereotypical <laughs> anti-Apple. Everyone's a hipster, blah blah blah, kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm uh, recording this on my school-issued MacBook Pro with my iPhone four in my pocket. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll never. I'll never. St- I know you tried to tell me that it was not true, but I'm. I'm going to stick to my guns and say that some. Some payola is happening here. All right. Well, Ian Levenstein, the former uh, guest host of this show, wrote in, Come on, office writers. In Scranton, Pam would be going for hoagies, not subs. Remember where you used to try to do the whole Pennsylvania thing, even though the office is filmed in California? Research, people. Mm, good point. See, yes, being too. in the Midwest, that wouldn't even occur to me. Yep, me neither. All right, and listener feedback of the week comes from Haley. She says... To paraphrase Toby, why writers, why you got to be so mean to us? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I kind of stole that from the opening of the show, but uh, yep, exactly. Uh, so we'll get into this next week, I guess. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we'll be back in a week or so for episode 105, Viewing Party. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to twsspodcast at gmail.com. And visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you have a chance, leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. 
Every little bit helps. Uh, remember also on Thursday to join us in the chat room as the show airs. I'm in there for the Eastern and Central and Mountain, I guess, viewing times. Kevin in there for the West Coast Pacific viewing times. Um, I don't know. We used to get about 15 people, something around there in the in the East Coast Central time slot. So it's kind of fun. Uh, you know, you can see, like I said, see what grumpy Thursday Matt thinks about things weeks before this poor suckers that listen to the podcast. Music for the episode provided by Music Alley from Mavio. Check it out at musicalley.com. And remember to head over to nbc.com slash the office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. And for Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are taking the bus to Mexico. Can't you be a man about it? Let me turn you on to something new. I'm screaming in a fan, I doubt that any of my words will make it through. This is have no idea what that is. <laughs> I've never heard that before in my life. Believe it or not, that is 80s icon Tiffany with her song <laughs> Christening. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, maybe the episode doesn't look so bad now, does it, Matt? Um, yeah, I, w- I would rather go sing at malls, I think, than to rewatch <laughs> the Christening, but uh, all right.